On the last episode of Modern Practice, we discussed the process to improve communication among staff and patients on an oncology floor. And this week, we continue the discussion. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. With me again is our podcast listener, who's today a guest, Dr. Dev Manuro, Internal Medicine Hospitalist and CDI and Quality Physician Advisor at Sanford Hospital in Vargo, North Dakota. Dev, glad to have you back. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for having me on this session today. I think there are key points that you mentioned. Number one is that you continuously round. You mentioned that not the one and done, which unfortunately I see around the country occurs with MDRs and leads to failure. Leadership was on board, including yourself and other leadership, where they were giving feedback and they were continuously rounding. They showed consistency in what they were doing. And just as important, you have metrics involved with us. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Tom. Thank you. I'd like to bucket the outcomes under different sections Okay. for the listeners and for everybody's understanding. Makes sense to me. It is completely challenging to make it a dichotomous outcome right? because there will always be some overlap. Mm -hmm. So the first section would refer to patients. So we're noticing an overall satisfaction of patients when they see all team members on the same page. And there's lots of data behind that. Yes. And our net promoter scores mm -hmm. for patients under the oncology hospital service alone, mm -hmm. as well as the overall oncology floor patients, have dramatically improved pre- and post-intervention. Uh -huh. And they continue to trend despite the completion of our project in February of 2022. So the net promoter score for patients under the oncology hospital service was 31.6. Oh, wow. And the overall oncology floor was 49.5. Post-intervention, mm -hmm. Post mm -hmm. the intervention happened between August 1st of 2021 mm -hmm. through March of 2022. And we pulled the data and our net promoter score for the oncology hospitals was 69. Okay. And the overall oncology floor net promoter score was 68 from 49.5. That's amazing. And Tom, like we all know, moving net promoter score by 10% is next to impossible. It's nearly impossible. Every NRC, HCAPS, Prescaney, mm -hmm. they will only say aim for 2 to 5%. That's correct. You can't really think of 10%. And we were blessed that we had this result. And our current standing, our net promoter score is 70 for the oncology hospitalists. Amazing. And 74 for the whole floor. Theodore Roosevelt said, I don't care what you know, I just want to know that you care. And that's what MDRs, and particularly if the patients and the families see you doing it, makes a world of difference because it just aligns all the communication. Are there other KPIs that you have? For instance, I'm curious about nursing turnover on the floor compared to other floors that have the MDR. It's a good question, Tom. So our oncology floor turnover is the lowest when compared to all floors. Uh-huh. I can only imagine. Yeah. And our team members have endorsed that they're noting much better understanding of patients and they're able to tie tasks that they're executing to the relevant medical conditions. They feel more equipped to answer patients' questions or concerns. Mm -hmm. The tool approach has also helped them provide pertinent information during rapid responses and nursing bedside handoff processes. Hmm. Okay. Because, you know, see, if a patient comes into the hospital, some rapid deterioration, right. they're able to speak in this language. The patient came in with shortness of breath and is being treated for pneumonia. The background history is this. This morning, the patient was like this. And this is what we're treating him. This is what happened. And even bedside handoffs have become more effective. Right. And staff are feeling more confident to give these handoffs in the room. 
That's amazing. And it's supporting their professional, personal development, the processes of well-being and indirect retention, like we just spoke, all speak to the job satisfaction. One of the most stressful things about being a hospitalist or even any healthcare professional that works in the hospital is that there's just no way to determine how your day is going to be. No. This results not only in having geographical rounding, and you, you notice I didn't say unit based, it's geographical. It puts some control in what your day is all about. And more importantly, everybody's aligned. Yeah. That actually decreases a lot of stress that occurs within the floor. Absolutely. And then the benefits that physicians kind of alluded to, mm -hmm. they said they're seeing a lot of value in the interdisciplinary team rounds, which they didn't see before, because when we used to go for rounds in the past, it would be like, oh, can we take the Foley out? <laughs> can we take the line out? Right. Why is the patient still here? Or can the patient get discharged today? <laughs> so that's not the kind of conversation we want to have when we go for these rounds. Right. And these are not the questions we want them to be asking us. Right. So it changed. Now, the questions that go around are like, any overnight events, any new complaints, what are the vitals, what are the three medical conditions, and they have the answers for the lines, drains, and discharges right there. So nobody's asking those questions. So it helps physicians because now they feel value in going there because they're getting some information that was not trickling down to them right. in the past. And they also see they're receiving less messages and pages. In this current electronic medical record and this access to technology, yeah. our lives have become fairly miserable. Yes, they have. I should <laughs> These say. medical records to say nothing. <laughs> and then on top of that, you get this secure chat and pages. Yeah. I think all of those are because there's no clarity between teams. I'm impressed more of just the fact that people are speaking Yeah, because I find that to be a lost art out in the floors as well, where we're not speaking to our nurses, but even among physicians, we're not speaking to one another. So I'm very impressed. I'm curious also, how have the specialists responded to this? And then I have a follow-up question to that, but I'm curious of how the specialists, particularly the oncologists responded to this. So Tom, our teams have been very supportive of it. Uh -huh. So like I said, first we went to the nurses right. and kind of rolled it out. Mm -hmm. Then we went to the hospital hospitalists and the medical oncologists and the radiation oncologists and roll it out in front of them and said, hey, listen, this is the data. This is the perception of our patients. We feel that this is the gap. This is what our nurses are going to be taking upon themselves and changing the way they approach the patients and present to you. Mm -hmm. So when you go onto the floors, please ask them questions in this format. Now, I can definitely guarantee you that it's not happening 100% of the time. Of course not, right. But I know from the post-survey data and my real-time questioning physicians and stuff, mm -hmm. the oncology hospitalist group are probably adapting this by about 70 to 80%. That's amazing. And the floor team, mm -hmm. around 50%. So I don't think all physicians are asking questions to nurses the same way, but my emphasis here is we don't need to wait for them to ask this. If our nursing team members learn about our patients this way and just have the three conditions that we're treating for the patient, right. then the level of confidence the patients will see in the nurses and in the institution is going to be different because they are the face of the care 24-7. We only go in there 15, 20 minutes, right. maybe a surgeon one, two hours a day. You know? <laughs> so that's the difference I feel. How about in reference to any data, in reference to length to stay, discharges in the morning, anything like that? Ah, good question. So we went away from the morning discharge model. Okay. Can't say I blame you. <laughs> It's not going to help because even if I were to put the discharge orders, right. no ride won't be ready. Correct. Nursing home's not available. Right. 
a lot of factors. So we kind of are not paying too much attention on those aspects. So Tom, I know they're financially probably beneficial, but mm-hmm. the things that we're seeing more is how are our patients feeling? How are our teams doing? Are they doing the things that are supposed to be done? And by virtue of our documentation and other things, mm-hmm. our length of stays have stayed lower. And the IDT team model did have an impact. I don't have the real numbers, but I know that there was a difference. That's amazing. And actually, Dave, you hit it right in the nail and it comes to discharges in the morning. If somebody's going to rehab, if someone's going to a sniff, doesn't matter what time you place the order, they're not going to go home till the end of the day. The emphasis really should be on that patient that can and wants to go home in the morning. Yeah. If you actually just concentrate on them, that should help a lot with your boarding and capacity issues as well. Yeah. Before we talk about any challenges, I'm curious, one thing I'm seeing around the country is a hesitancy, if you will, and I'm generalizing here, that many of our colleagues are, particularly in the the inpatient realm are not wanting to have any goals of care discussions or end of life discussions. I'm curious, has this resulted in more of engagement with palliative care or discussions and and even getting nursing involved in those goals of care and end of life discussions? Great question, Tom. This is very pertinent to the cohort of patients that we implemented this project to. Uh It has helped a lot. The reason why I say this is when we go into a room, this is how we address our patients. Hey, this is Dr. Manuru. This is Amy, our clinical care leader. This is Kim, our case manager. There's your bedside nurse. And this is our pharmacist. Is this your family member? And is it okay we speak in front of this person? That's how we start our conversations. Mm -hmm. And then your nurse explained to me this, and this is what happened. This is our plan for the three medical conditions. This is how we go on about it. And let us say we were to have to approach a code status discussion. Sure. We would all be there. And then we would start the conversation and it would help them because everybody is there that they know have been a part of the team. And it's not just the doctor alone in the room just sitting and asking, hey, do you want DNR? (laughs) Do you want full code? So it has helped a lot because then the other team members would pitch in and say, I know there's empathy, there's concern. So it's helped a lot, yes. That's amazing. Deb, thanks for a great discussion. And we'll continue on our next episode. And to our listeners, you can contact Deb at his email address listed in the resource section of our podcast page. You'll also find links to several resources. And if you have any other additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me in our email, modernpracticepodcast at visiantinc.com. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thanks so much for listening. 